This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to Monday's Blood Red podcast. The Reds are up and running with a 4-1 win on Friday night against Norwich. We're going to look back at that, look ahead to the Super Cup, obviously on Wednesday against Chelsea and lots of other bits and pieces in between, including a little bit of transfer business, which we believe will be concluded today. Uh, Alisson's injury, of course, and various other bits and pieces. I'm Sean Bradbury and with me today I have two young journalists who, well, let's face it, they're two of the first names on the podcast team sheet every week. It's Keith O'Neill, it's Connor Dunn. Uh, we'll start just with a quick look at Friday and two very different experiences uh, for the guys here. Connor, you were in the press box. What was it like on Friday? Was it Did it feel a bit different to last season? Was there an atmosphere of European champions or was it same old Liverpool? Yeah, definitely. I haven't heard Anfield like that for a league game for a long, long time, actually. Um, first half, absolutely bouncing, just welcoming home the European champions, weren't they? Obviously, I haven't played at Anfield for a little while and serenaded everybody's names it was just lovely to see and yeah it was just like a big welcome home and obviously that mosaic on the cop as well reminding everyone that Liverpool won the European Cup six times yeah it was just pure party atmosphere done by the first half done by half time and beautiful <laughs> did you bump into Delia inside Anfield or was she no I didn't actually she might have been tucked away somewhere <laughs> else unfortunately but I did see uh, John Henry and Linda Bazzuti on the pitch and really good to obviously see FSG getting a little bit more involved getting to more of the games and yeah got a bit of a reaction on social media seeing them there as well so it's, it's nice just to see them a little bit more going to games a bit more now than they ever used to and yeah, it just seems a bit more hands-on with the club. And Got like a celebrity good. status now, them too, haven't they? Mm. Anytime they're here, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they heard Kivo Neil. Kivo, how was your match day experience? Any any different routines to normal for the first game of the season? Well, it wasn't very good because my train was cancelled. All, right. All the trains were cancelled. Um, power cut, you know, the power cut that affected a lot yeah. of places. So I just ended up giving giving me ticket away pretty much just because I was like, I can't, can't make it. Um, yeah, so that was bit of a nuisance and then just went to the pub and watched it in, in sweet sweet home Birkenhead um, but yeah enjoyed it as well obviously it was a shame not to be there and seeing like uh, the mosaic on the carp and you just feel like why you know you've got that like all of the banners that, like, pain of just yeah just not been added to the immortals and it's just things like that just so nice to see but you'll get there and you'll see know, them all they'll, they'll be back for the next home game it's a nuisance this because I'm I'm going to America on Wednesday and I'm literally on a flight the whole time that we played the Super Cup and everything so we're don't even see that and then obviously the time difference there's like eight hours I'm going to be having to get up at like six to watch right. you know like like these proper American fans who are committed to it I'm not sure <laughs> how committed I'll be come Saturday morning get set my alarm at six Just stay up yeah. there's worse places to watch the Reds in Vegas I'm sure I'm sure you'll manage you'll pull through um right then well let's start with the good of Norwich um if you look at the stats, I think we've had pieces on the site. Uh, the XG probably flattered Liverpool a little bit to be 4 0 up at half time. Maybe slightly fortuitous, but it was for good reason. You know, there was there was lots of attack and play, lots of intent. What did you make of, of the attacking side of the game, first of all, Connor? I mean, the front three, given we're right at the start of the season, the, the rhythm they seem to be striking up already is pretty impressive. The sharpness, I thought, was just unbelievable, actually. Obviously, in the Community Shield, Salah and Firmino looked really, really good. And they had City on the back foot. And they were obviously two of our brightest players then. And again, against Norwich, it just, you know, had them all end up right from the very beginning. And that was what really stuck out of the whole Liverpool's game. And even when they weren't quite at it defensively, it was something to build on and something to press and just lead from the front. And Origi as well was actually superb yeah. and gave them nightmares down that left. A couple of really whipped crosses, obviously, you know, the first one created the own goal and got goal himself. And yeah, just all three of them were really firing. Mo Salah this season, I think, 
looks better than he's ever done. And that is just such a massive statement to say, but he looks stronger, he looks quicker. And mm. I'm just so, so excited for him just like this season. Obviously, first shot of his Premier League season, <laughs> scores a goal and just lets everybody know that three-season wonder is back again. <laughs> well, stay on Origi, first of all. Well, first of all, Kiva, who's looking after the statue while you're in Vegas? Well, I've had more messages now. He scored and got his... his uh, <laughs> Is tally underway, and I'm like, oh god, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna get round to it eventually. Um, but I was so impressed with Origi because yeah. I've been saying for weeks on this pod, obviously that I feel like he has to score and just keep scoring and doing bits, assists, whatever he can do, even just good performances and come away, you know, with the fans sort of thinking, you know, Origi's the business, mm. and he, he looked the business pretty yeah, much, he didn't did, he? Yeah. Is, is he seems to because he's he's so tall he's, he's got such a big frame he seems to just glide really like in about two steps he'll be like halfway through the half yeah the, he's the a pitch. very direct player which you know I think Liverpool sometimes miss a little bit someone who picks up the ball looks get, gets their head up and just goes at the defence mm. no matter where they are when he runs he looks like you know in American football when like they do that funny run where the legs like to go faster towards the end, you know that like, like and they get yeah, to go faster strides, and he just seems to like be able to do them. But I'm really happy. Like we had it won pretty much in the half, and then mm. I feel like we we stepped off a little bit. But yeah. you know, if we're doing that every game. I'm not really too concerned. You know, people speaking obviously about the second half and the defence, but obviously Allison going off is a big blow, and we sort of we'd already won it. It's you know we could have went on and scored four more, which was. When we scored the fourth, you were thinking how many is it going to be? But, yeah. you know, obviously Norwich weren't going to be, weren't going to get battered like that and then come out and just concede more. Obviously, they were playing for pride then, weren't they? The first away day, first game back in the Premier League and the, their fans had travelled an awful long way mm. not to see them. So I think everyone in Anfield was pretty happy when that pucky scored as well. You know, just sort of like, well, he kind of did deserve it. Yeah. So let them have it. Mm. No, absolutely. We'll, we'll come on to Norwich. Staying on Origi for a second. I, yeah. I agree with you both. I think... I've always thought with him, as you've described him there, Connor is, is exactly right. He's direct. There's a little bit of unpredictability about him, but you do know he can he can cut inside, he can come off the left and onto his right, shape to shoot and cause a bit of damage. But that that own goal, and obviously it was very fortuitous the way it was sliced course, in by, yeah. by Hanley, but like he went he went down the outside for that, didn't he? And I think after a slightly shaky performance against City where you did think, is he is he going to look a little bit out of his depth if we're relying on him from the start this season? He really kind of put that right. So I guess that's the next question. Do you think he's, whilst it's only one game into the season, do you think he's kind of answered some squad depth concerns a little bit for Klopp? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it was obviously a concern because he's, he's an attacking player, isn't he? He's your striker who played down the middle normally, but it was the left-hand side really what we were, Liverpool were looking at to kind of get some cover for Manny and give Manny a bit of a break. And what was really evident in that game is that he was work. He, he looked like he'd been working on his crosses. It looked like he'd been working on, as you say, getting around the outside mm. of players rather than just trying to go directly into the box every time. And again, that's just added something a little bit different to his game. And obviously, that is what Mane does in sensational form and sensationally well. But yeah, I, I certainly think Origi. I know it's, of all respect, it's only Norwich, and that isn't you know going to be his, his biggest defensive test of the season. But certainly, if he can play like that then you know, I've got no worries at all about who's coming in because at the end of the day, you are never going to get a player better than Origi to sit on the bench in this transfer window, like by no means. And, you know, I'm just glad he's proved it. I think he looks to be learning from Mane. He must be watching him in training and obviously in games and maybe even tapes of him because he seems that unpredictability, what you mentioned, he seems to have that in him and obviously he can't teach that but I feel like he maybe is learning from Mane a lot in the in terms of just you never know what he's going to do and that's been 
one of Manny's like main, you know, main things of him being, you know, such a good player. And I feel like Origi has got Manny's got an abundance, and Origi's getting there, which is you know only only good for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And before we um, before we move on, I think we must. Do we have to move must, on from Origi? We must, <laughs> we must mention Roberto Firmino. Oh, he didn't score, but that chest and volley that he hit a crawl was just ridiculous. Ridiculous, and you know the work rate he puts in off the ball. He leads the press. He never gives up. He leaves everything on the pitch. He deserves the goal. He, you know, he takes Liverpool forward. He mm. brings that energy up, and you know that front three just is. It's just Liverpool's pinnacle, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I've I've robbed this off one of the fan accounts, but I love this quote. I think it was originally um, Del Bosque said this about Busquets, but one of the fan accounts has like repurposed this for Firmino and just said, watch the game and you might not see Firmino, but watch Firmino and you see the whole game. And like, I know he was a bit, he was a bit more standout than he often is, to be honest against Norwich. He's like, like you say, there were so many moments where he was, he was dropping deep, he was winning the ball, he was like plucking out of the sky and just showing off his kind of remarkable technique as well as his work rate and everything. But, you know, just the amount that goes through him and the amount that he, like you say, leading the press and he's just, I always feel he's kind of, He's Klopp's kind of persona on the pitch, really, isn't he? And he, oh, he was just—he was just phenomenal. Uh, and of course, Salah, we've already mentioned. So that that front three looks looks in fine fettle, and long may that continue this season. Let's move on to the bad, if you like, about the game. Um, I know you've mentioned it already, Kiva. Pookie's goal in the second half, and to be fair, Norwich deserved it. I think, and and at that stage of the game, when it was obviously sewn up at Liverpool, you kind of felt, like you said before, all those fans have travelled that far. It's it's not ideal for our defence, and uh, a few of them weren't too happy about conceding. But you know, fair play it's, it's, for the fans to see that it's uh, it's not the worst thing. But those defensive lapses, the amount of shots that Liverpool allowed, particularly in dangerous dangerous areas, was that a bit of a concern for you? Not really. I don't think. I think people are getting too strung up on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems as though you know we're not quite there yet. Like we had the best defence in the league last season, and obviously. We're going to probably have one or if not, you know, Man City or whoever else. We'll, we'll be right up there and obviously, uh, hopefully a Premier League title race and up there for the best defence again. It's obviously a blow, like I've said, to have lost Alisson. And I don't think Adrian coming on had any effect on the game. I feel like maybe we did just pull up a little bit. Mm. Um, and obviously the community shield, you saw it a little bit. But I feel like we'll just work out the kinks as, as the weeks go on. Um, I don't think it's nothing to worry about, to be honest. No. Connor, in terms of where the danger was coming from, I know that the goal eventually kind of came on the opposite side, but the kind of Gomez and Trent, the right-hand side of the defence was, was where the issues are. I mean, I'm not saying you want to bomb someone out after one slightly below par game, but do you think Matip might be coming in on Wednesday? Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, I don't... Think it's a, con- a massive concern that Liverpool are conceding goals, but we gave Norwich far, far, far too many chances, mm. and a better team w- would certainly have punished Liverpool in those early stages. You know, Norwich could have had that first goal, and that would have been a totally different outlook to the game. It would have been a totally different game. They'd have probably defended a bit more resolutely and whatever else. And I agree that they will iron out the kinks and the issues in the next few weeks. But I think it was it started a little bit in front of the defence. It probably started a little bit in the midfield, and there were some holes mm. that weren't you know, weren't getting filled. And yeah, it was just, it was just interesting to sort of see how that developed as the game went on. And, and as you say, it's, it was only really Trent and Gomez's pace that got them out of a few sticky situations, yeah. particularly Gomez as well. You know, he, he's really quick and very quick for a central defender. And I thought he played really well, actually. But just the, the cohesiveness in the defence just, just wasn't quite there. And obviously Norwich were finding the gaps. I think for the goal particularly, I, I 
you know, looking at it on first view, it looked like they were just trying to play an off- offside line and yeah. just got it slightly wrong. And that sometimes happens. And when you're falling up, you can more afford to do that. But yeah, I mean, in terms of Matip, I can certainly see him coming in just for the community shield. Obviously, there was a few defensive issues which City exploited and Matip came in and granted he came into a bit of an easier game. But when Gomez swapped, swapped to right back and Matip came in, I thought Liverpool looked a lot more resolute defensively. I thought him and Van Dijk in the middle just sort of seemed to shore things up a little bit more. Mm. And a massive, massive Joe Gomez fan. I think, you know, what he offers compared to Van Dijk, like his extra pace and the being able to play the ball up from the back it's just a bit a bit of a difference and they work really well in tandem but I think with the way Matip stepped up last year and you know what Matip can do and how well he's defended and actually just purely for the defensive side of it I think I probably would start him in the Super Cup mm-hmm. well, well we'll pick our team towards the end of the pod but we might have uh, already filled one slot there just staying with Norwich Kiva do you think they deserve some credit I mean you know we can we can pick holes in, in how Liverpool played and think Connor's absolutely right about the goal and how that came about but I think they're one of the only teams apart from Spurs and City who've come to Anfield and restricted Liverpool to under 500 passes at home for the past two seasons in the league so you know they, they came and had a go didn't they they were proactive they were brave with the ball and you've got to say that they, they forced themselves on Liverpool a little bit and did quite well Yeah I think they'll take loads Matt my only sort of worry I've put them in my prediction is getting relegated sorry Norwich I don't think any of the fans will be listening so I'm alright but I was really impressed with them and um my only worry for them is that they could be like Huddersfield, who obviously just sort of managed to stay up that first season because they were playing, you know, how Wagner wanted them to play. Similar mm. sort of heavy metal football, you know, passing, moving and not sort of just making a blockade and hoping for the best. But I feel like if they don't do that and there is a bit of a hole in their defence, I feel like they'll just struggle because... Th- it's it's a horrible thing the Premier League when you've come up as well because there was such a free flow and and scored a lot of goals last season in the Championship. I just feel like if they don't shut up shop, then they're gonna really uh, they're gonna get probably beat like that every game. But then they've give you a good game, but is it enough? Mm. You know, you need you need to win points and that sort of like I, I did. I was thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't have predicted them to get relegated <laughs> because I was so impressed by them. But I feel like going forward, they'll have to sort of, obviously, Daniel Farker said after the game, didn't he? I think he's, they've got to work on that defence. And yeah. I think that's been an issue for them over the summer and what they've tried to maybe do in the transfer market and whether, whether you know, they'd be, late, be able to stay up. But, it, you know... Oh. I'm sure Delia will have a word, wouldn't you? They were the only team to spend less than Liverpool in the transfer window. I think they spent £1.1 million. And, you know, we all know about how many transfers Liverpool didn't make and spent £3 million. Mm. So, you know, that just shows you how little they brought in. But I was saying before the game, actually, to Paul Gorsu, who was up in Anfield as well, that it was interesting, you know, to see how Norwich set up. Would they, you know, come, think, oh, we're playing the European champions. Let's sit back. Let's take up the pressure. If we get away over 1-0, happy days, and that's not a bad start to the season. Or did they play the no the way they know how, mm. the football out the back, they're trying to score the free-flowing footballs we've just spoken about. And to be fair to their credit, they did. And I think if they play like that against quite a lot of teams in the bottom half of the Premier League, they'll score some goals this year. And it might just be the case of, you know, trying to outscore teams. And if that's how they play, that's how they play. Mm. Absolutely. Well, best of luck to Delia and the lads. They came and had a go there. And <laughs> Delia like, and the lads. Like you say, there will be there will be easier games for them, many, many to come this season. Um, actually, well, last point on Norwich. I think you touched on this before, Kiva. So, Connor, we'll, we'll just finish with you on this. Were you worried at all about what did seem to be a bit of a drop-off in the second half? Or do you think that was almost kind of tactical and deliberate with, with Wednesday in mind? You know, I mean, I guess Norwich won the second half, didn't he? But 4-0 at half-time, Liverpool had it sewn up. Do you think that was kind of all planned 
Yeah, do you know what? I think it was a big statement in the first half. They didn't need to do much more in the second. Trent had that absolutely vicious free kick that was a good save. And there was a one more chance as well. I think Salah could have had a couple more goals. And mm. Liverpool just simply didn't need more goals. They didn't need to keep their foot on the throat of Norwich. They just, you know, they could have one eye on Wednesday. You know, they're travelling to Istanbul and back in the middle of two Premier League games, the first two Premier League games of the season. And of course, that's going to, you know, be it be a thing to think about and they had had the luxury of doing that didn't they so not worried in the slightest that Norwich won the second half one no, no. <laughs> no. well fair play to them. Uh, one thing that is a bit of a concern for the Reds which we've touched upon already but we'll we'll look at in a little bit more depth is the goalkeeper situation um now Connor kind of talk talk us through the situation then obviously Allison out expected to be out for several weeks I think between four and eight is the current estimate uh, where do we stand at the minute so obviously New signing Adran came on against Norwich, did okay. Um, obviously conceded the goal. Maybe could have done better, but by the by. Um, he's the only senior option in Liverpool's squad. You've obviously got Grabara, who's on loan at Huddersfield. You've got Yaros, who is injured. And you've got Kelleher, who is just coming back from injury and just returning to training. So they're the three young keepers and they're essentially out of action. Um, yeah. Kelleher will probably travel um, to Istanbul. But without Alisson, obviously, we need a second keeper. Um, the transfer window's closed, so we can't buy anybody, but we can sign free agents. And Andy Lonergan, who joined the Reds on their US tour and played against Sevilla and actually did really well. And by all accounts, really impressed, um, gave a really good account of himself. And he went to Evian and he went up to um, Edinburgh and he's just he's been training. He's been based at Melwood as well. And, you know, they've been really impressed by him. Obviously, didn't offer him a contract of Alisson coming back and signing Adrian and everything else. But he has agreed a deal um, he's agreed a one year deal with Liverpool today actually um, they haven't signed it yet um, we're not sure quite when the actual signing is going to take place or when it's going to be announced but it's all agreed and yeah he's going to be going to the Super Cup and he'll be on the bench and what a story that is for him and we, we were talking about you know just before the pod he's, he's a very very experienced goalkeeper um, he's had more than 500 appearances um, in the championship and his, but his last appearance was for um, Scunthorpe against was it Rotherham um, in League One in March and you know Liverpool obviously plucked him out and looked at him as a, a fine example um, and yeah he's come in and, and done really well and that's kind of the situation that is right now and he, he probably isn't going to play you know got a bit of an injury happens to Adrian as well but yeah that's that's kind of where Liverpool are at at the moment mm. Kiva we saw half an hour or so of Adrian um, on, on Friday night obviously let that one goal in which is the debate about whether he could have done more there. But how, how worried are you in terms of him as a, I guess, well, I was going to say short-term replacement, but it could be medium-term, depending on how long Alisson's out for. Do you think it's a bit of a test for the whole team, isn't it, really? The back line in terms of playing without the main man behind them, but given what he contributes in terms of like distribution and build-up play, it's, it could take something away from the Reds. But do you think uh, they'll, they'll survive for the next few weeks? Yeah, I think we'll be okay. Obviously, the Super Cup will tell us more because we'll get to see him, you know, in a 90-minute spell mm. and maybe even longer if it goes to extra time. Um, I think he's got the right mentality for a, a goalkeeper that we need in our squad at this point. Obviously, Alisson's just been imperious, hasn't he? Like, clean sheets for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Like, <laughs> he's unreal. So, for him to come in, Adrian, obviously, he's got to fill these, like, massive gloves and... I feel like, you know, I hope the defence pull him out a little bit and are able to, you know, limit the shots on goal and stuff just yeah. to, you know, give him that. He needs as many clean sheets as possible, doesn't he, I think, just to to get the fans. I mean, the fans are right behind him anyway. You've seen the welcome he got when he come, when he come on for Alisson. Obviously, we haven't had a new sign and that's going to play 
other than him, um, Harvey Elliott and Sepp Vandenberg might feature over the course of the season, but it's not going to be any time soon, you wouldn't think. So for the cop to get a new sign, which he didn't expect was going to happen, yeah. um, and then to welcome him out, you know, the whole of Anfield, I think, and all the fan base was happy just to see someone with a, you know, a new a new face around the place. I think it's a little bit of a boost, and um, I think he'll I think he'll do all right. Um, Alexander Arnold was speaking about him and said like he's coming straight away and just seems to have settled in and like loads of the lads are already getting on. So it seems like you know it's it's been a, an easy sign and he's sort of settled in to the dressing room really well and obviously he's a Spanish-speaking goalkeeper, isn't he? I feel like the culture of maybe Alisson and the likes of the Brazilian lads, like he'll fill that Moreno sort of gap that we've lost now in the in the dressing room and, you know, we, I think the games I saw him in for West Ham, he always felt like, you know, a loud goalkeeper and someone that would, you know, command his area and hopefully that's what we'll see from him. Yeah, I think you've got to think Adrian is a very experienced Premier League goalkeeper and I think he only got let go by West Ham because of his wage demands and he was going to go to um, La Liga, wasn't he? But, you know, Liverpool obviously signed him and I think, he's, I think he's a really decent person to bring in, especially on a free transfer. Like, mm. you know, you can't, you're not really going to get much better goalkeepers that have played the Premier League for so long with such a lot of experience. And yeah, as you were just saying there, I spoke to Virgil van Zijk and Trent after the game and they both asked them both about Alisson and they were literally saying about how, you know, he's a really experienced goalkeeper. He's been around a long time. He knows how to come into teams. He knows how to settle in. He fits in really well with all the boys and, you know, that is going to be so, so important. So, so important for the cohesion of the defence going forward, isn't it? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, as Andy Lonergan comes in, um, also had news this morning that a possible outgoing for the Reds. Uh, we'll start with you on this one, Connor. Dejan Lovren, it's hardly right to say it's come out the blue. There's been a few rumblings of interest from Italy throughout the course of the transfer window that we've uh, just just finished. Well, certainly here in, in the Premier League, it's finished. Um, but now AC Milan, Roma, interest confirmed and a price set. Um, give us the latest on this one. Yeah, so obviously you hear all throughout the transfer window from the Italian papers, from you know, Tuta Mercato from Marker in Spain. They link every player with everyone and all the clubs are signing everybody and they're all going to everywhere. But yeah, um, the reported interest from AC Milan, the reported interest from Roma is is confirmed. They've registered that interest with Liverpool and they're looking to add Lovren to their ranks. And Liverpool have, have set a 15 million euro fee with add-ons of a 5 million euro bonus, so a 20 million euro fee, which, you know, is not a huge, huge amount, but it's, it's substantial enough for a fourth choice defender. Um, and that's kind of where it's at at the moment. I don't think talks are in a particularly advanced stage between any of the clubs, but it would certainly seem that Liverpool have enough in their ranks to sanction a, a deal for Lovren and um, to send him on his way to Syria ah, by the mm. looks of it. This is the thing, isn't it, Kiva? It's, you know, you, you, you look at the bench on Friday and he wasn't on it, Lovren wasn't on it, Brewster wasn't on it. You know, on on, on some kind of terms you think well the squad is big they can they can deal without him but I don't know when when this initially happened this morning and Connor's stories first went up my initial reaction was a bit tentative and well should they really let him go should they not try and be be a bit greedy and hang on to him as a, as a fourth choice player because I think you know you look at Bruce then you'd be happy to have a young attacking player come into the team you think that's potentially less disruptive than young defenders having to come in as Connor says there, there are options in the squad but you might be looking at Hoover Vandenberg but then the more you think about it, Fabinho could fill in there. There's obviously Gomez, there's obviously Van Dijk. What's, what was your initial reaction to it? Do you think it is a bit of a risk or something that LSE could get away with? Obviously, our transfer window's closed, so I don't like losing anyone after that. Obviously, the European market's still open. 
Um, I think there's 11 more days left to go yeah. on there. And it just seems as though you just don't want to lose anyone. Now, I think this is probably maybe Lovren's choice more so. Like, I feel yeah. like, obviously, AC Milan and Roma have, um, you know, registered their interest. But I feel like maybe it's Lovren just thinking he wants to play regular football, which you think going to either of them teams, he probably will be maybe yeah. first choice. Um but at Liverpool at the minute, he's fourth choice now. You know, obviously, if he's not sort of willing to hang around and sort of fight for his place in the team, then you've you've got to let him go and and play his football. But I think it is it is quite worrying. You know what happened with Allison on Friday? How mm-hmm. an injury can just come out of nowhere. Like Allison's probably you know obviously had this Cup of America excerpt, and you wouldn't think that he was like as fit as possible because he had that extended break and stuff, but. He's one of the last players you would have thought would have got injured. Mm. Um, so injuries can happen. God forbid Van Dijk or Gomez. You know, obviously we had Gomez and Lovren get injured at the same time last season, which gave Joel Matip his incredible opportunity, which he's, he grabbed with both hands. But I feel like if, if Lovren does go, then does that leave that little bit of a a gap? Obviously you've said about Fabinho can fill in there, but then it's, I don't know, it just does leave that little seed of doubt in my mind mm. if you know, something does happen, you know, this is going to be a long season and to have someone experienced around the camp like him can only be a good thing. Obviously, his relationship with Mo Salah is well documented Mm -hmm, and, um, you know, I feel like he'd be a big loss in terms of personality, but then if he wants to go, would it be worth having having someone around? Obviously, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but would it be worth having someone who is a want away? You know, I'm not, not too sure. There's certainly another school of thought to that, isn't there, to be fair. Um, we've obviously mentioned these defenders that can come in and play. And I think you've got to look at it like Gomez and Matip are fighting for that place alongside Van Dijk. And they are both, you know, excellent, excellent centre-backs. And that is why Lovren has fallen out of favour. Um, he's on almost £100,000 a week. Um, he's fourth choice centre-back. He's not even getting in the matchday squads. You've got more option than you had last year when the defensive crisis happened because you have got Vandenberg, who is, you know one of the most highly rated young centre-backs in world football. Mm. Um, you've got Hoover, who can obviously come in and do a job and actually did a job when Lovren got injured. Lovren hasn't played 10 games in a row for Liverpool since two, well, in his whole career. And he yeah. signed in 2014. That's five years, which is staggering, really, when you think about how long he's been at the club. Um, and that's not to write Lovren off, because as you say, his experience is amazing. He obviously plays at an extremely high level. Having that sort of player who knows about, you know, the finals he's been in, the games he's been played with Liverpool and that experience, you know, counts for a lot. But I just think that Liverpool are in a better place. And particularly when you look at Fabinho, and Fabinho filled in that role against Bayern Munich, against Brighton last season, so, so well. Like mm. against Bayern Munich particularly, when you're coming up against the, like some of the best strikers in football and, you know, he just looked like he'd, played there all his life and I think he would naturally just become Liverpool's fourth choice centre-back and you know that is another another option that Klopp clearly has at his disposal and then if you look at it like that they've essentially got five senior centre-backs which is is more than enough to head to even January if something happens when they could potentially buy somebody else mm, Absolutely well going to be interesting to see how it plays out um, Now before we move on to uh, Salah which we're going to discuss uh, given it's the, the two-year anniversary of his debut and also the Super Cup. Just a very quick word on other games at the weekend and specifically City. Someone in our Blood Red podcast group, I think jokingly said um, when they were looking at the, the game against Norwich on Friday, oh, well, what about our goal difference, you know, with that second half? Obviously, I think they were they were taking the mick a little bit and being a, a little bit sarcastic, but then City go out, 
Saturday morning, they, they banged five in, one goal's chalked off as well. And Guardiola afterwards is saying, or indicating at least, that they weren't even firing on all cylinders. There's more to come. Uh, Kiva, did, did you expect anything else from City in their first game of the season? No, I think the way they played against Liverpool, we kind of expected that. And you do expect them to run away with a lot of games, but at the same time, you expect Liverpool to do that as well. So mm. obviously, I watched it a little bit through gritted teeth because they just look so good. But, you know, it's going to be a long season. And, you know, I don't think you can take too much from the first game. And obviously, I think they, they, I think they've scored like, 20 goals against West Ham under like Guardiola or many I think just at West Ham Stadium so they've absolutely battered yeah, them there the, um, they saw a stat that the, the top four away scorers at the London Stadium it's like Sané, Sterling, Aguero and it's just like <laughs> great so they just, they, the, the hammers don't enjoy when City come to town no. obviously you look at like United and that and those teams seem to have you know maybe will try more this year have more of an impact than taking points off Yeah, you know City. they certainly give City a game more this year than they did last time most definitely yeah. um, so I think you know there's, there's definitely they look brilliant but so do Liverpool mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you make of them on Saturday Connor like they obviously Liverpool went out and to a certain extent laid the marker down on Friday but then you know, it's, it wasn't even 12 hours later almost wasn't it they were, they were doing the same on Saturday is it going to be another one of them seasons where there's a statement made by each club every weekend and they're responding to each other and just, you know, feeding off each other. Yeah, well, they're clearly going to go toe-to-toe as the best two teams in the Premier League, aren't they? Um, I think the difference in how City played that game is that they didn't have a midweek game against Chelsea and Istanbul to contend with. They've got a whole week break in between their two games and I think that is the only thing to read into it because they didn't take their foot off the gas for 90 minutes. But Liverpool, you know, they did for 45. So you can read into what you will, but I, I think, you know, Liverpool will definitely be up there with the goals as well as as well as. City. Was it one nil to City? I think a half time, wasn't it? And then they scored the other four goals after that. So they kind of had we had different halves. They yeah. didn't have obviously the mm. best first half. We didn't have the best second half. We both scored, you know, f- four goals in you know really quick time. And obviously Sterling had one ruled out as well. He would have had four, wouldn't he? Yeah. Which is he just looks the absolute and business this season, well, doesn't he? he? He looks like he's. I put uh, Sadio Mane as top scorer this season, but I feel Sterling like it's mind. yeah. I feel like you've done good there, Connor. Mm. Um, another performance we'll have to obviously remark on ahead of Wednesday. Start with you on this one, Connor. Is obviously Chelsea's slumping to a four 0 defeat against United. Do you think that's is it good or bad news for Liverpool? Obviously, on the face of it, they've had a bit of a shocker. There seems to be lots of weaknesses and kind of teething issues in terms of Lampard setting his managerial imprint on the team. But then you know if, if he's worth his salt he's going to get a response out of them on Wednesday do you think what way do you think it'll work for Liverpool yeah I certainly think it's going to go the way of they're going to try and come out and play football and you know Liverpool versus Chelsea is always such a massive game for both clubs and mm. you know recent history and things in, in Europe has, has fueled that no end but they looked a bit all over the place didn't they really at the back defensively and I know they hit the woodwork twice against United but I don't worry uh, with Frank Lampard as a manager, personally, um, sim- in a similar way to Solskjaer as manager of United, I don't think, oh my goodness, how are they going to set their team up and come and play against Liverpool? Because I think mm. Klopp is going to absolutely outwit both of those about any hassle. Mm. <laughs> um, not to completely write off Man United and Chelsea, because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> but um, I don't think I don't think they are going to be quite as strong as they've been for a few seasons. Obviously, the transfer ban's not helped. They've had to keep Zuma, who you know was at centre back in Everton last year, and. 
Yeah, I, I just don't think they've got the out and out best team. I mean, you know, Tammy Abraham starting up front. You know, he he scored loads in the championship, and that that's great. But it's, it's just a totally different kettle of yeah. fish playing in the Super Cup, playing against Man United in the same in the space of four days, five days. So. Mm. I just yeah. don't think Chelsea have that kind of leader anymore, do they? I was looking at them yesterday and I caught the second half and I was just thinking, as is probably their leader on that pitch and, yeah. you know, he's uh, is he in his 30s now and obviously Frank Lampard doesn't seem like, you sort of hint that there, he doesn't seem like, you know, he's only got one year of experience in, in management. He doesn't seem like he'll have that sort of weight of, oh no, we're facing Frank Lampard. Maybe in 10 years' time yeah, that'll absolutely. be the case, of absolutely. course. And, you know, he'd probably be the first to admit that you can't give anyone that, can you, after a year in the championship? You're just thinking, you know, in terms of that, like, when Ferguson would come to Anfield or Mourinho comes to Anfield with Chelsea, you'd just be like, oh, this is going to be a game. Yeah. Just because yeah. of them, yeah. they bring their own, where this Chelsea team just feel, obviously, they've lost the talisman mm. hazard and they just feel a little bit, obviously, the transfer ban hasn't helped. They've obviously brought in Pulisic and Kovacic. Yeah. And I don't know, they're still quite young. Well, Pulisic definitely is and... I feel like, you know, it'll be their seasons to really bed in Mona as players, but can you put a lot on them? And obviously, Abraham's only young. It just feels like Chelsea, historically, over the past, you know, 10, 15 seasons, any time a manager gets sacked or leaves, the first season under the new managers traditionally goes really well. You know, they've won leagues in in that year. Yeah. And um, look at Di Matteo, they won the, the Champions League. But this season just feels different. But I do feel like it will be a thing for the future, maybe, like in three or four seasons, Chelsea might sort of have that, you know, even sooner, but not this season. I feel like they just will miss out on it. There's no mm. way around it. Eason Hazard is just such a massive no. loss. It'd be a massive loss to any side in the world, but he literally led Chelsea's attack. And again, he led their press. He led the energy. He led the attacks. It, you know, loads went through him. And what is it? The first season in eight, they've not they've not started a season with him. And that's just, mm. just massive. And then you, you've got that at the head of the field. And then you've got, you know, the likes that have gone in defence at the back and it's just yeah it doesn't feel like a Chelsea team that is going to really threaten Liverpool this year and I might come really to eat those words hard <laughs> yeah. on Wednesday night but I just don't see it right now well no well I agree and with all this in mind then let's before we before we have our a little a little bit on our most Salah memories let's pick our team for Wednesday so in goal I think well that's that's clear isn't it Andy Lonergan yeah I was just going to say <laughs> the new man straight in uh, Adrian is, is, is between the sticks I think then is the it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, like you were saying before, Connor, Joe Gomez is, you'd think he's the future of Liverpool. And I don't think he played that badly on Friday night, but was, you know, possibly culpable for a couple of little lapses. I think Van Dijk and Robertson are in, aren't they? I think yeah, we can all agree on that. Yeah. How would you both play it then with your other centre back and your right back? For me, Joe Gomez goes right back and Matip goes centre back. Um, I think for Norwich, you can get away with having Gomez and Trent in Trent. Attacking ability is absolutely sensational. You know, the pinpoint crosses, the getting forward, the bringing Liverpool out from the back. And that's what Gomez does as well from the heart of defence. He brings Liverpool out, he plays the ball, he's quite a forward thinking central defender. And, you know, Chelsea will have a bit more, they will be able to pick Liverpool off a little bit more if those gaps are in place. So I think just for a more solid defensive unit, Matip comes in and, and Gomez goes to right back for me. I wanted Matip to start against Norwich, but now I would just keep Gomez in just because of. I don't know. I just feel, yeah, I just feel like yeah, I just don't like thing. to. And also for Gomez, if he's getting pulled out after the first game of getting started, yeah. I feel like what effect does that have on? Obviously, he's got a strong mentality, they all have, but that must just leave a little bit in the back of his mind thinking, well, wasn't a good enough. And, mm. you know, so maybe just, I don't know, but then it is a cup game. So do you, you know, even you 
can get away with resting him, but then it's not resting him, it's putting Matip in because you feel like he'll be more solidified next to Van Dijk. So mm. it's a difficult one, but it just stick with Gomez just because, like you say, the continuity of it as well. Mm. Fair play. Well, no, you both make good cases there. I think I'd probably side with, with you, Connor, especially because Southampton game comes around quite quickly. Mm-hmm. I think you can put Trent back in there. I agree. But, but, you know, there's, there's, there's two ways you could go. Midfield, I almost think anything could happen here. I'm not even sure there's a, there's a certain starter. Henderson and Fabinho? Both it's tricky, in. isn't it? Um, I think Fabinho is probably your one absolute starter. I think he can play that six role on his own incredibly mm. well. And I think when he plays, it gives the other two in midfield a bit more of a chance to get a little bit further afield, a bit further wide, a bit further forward. Um so, yeah, Fabinho would be my very first pick for the midfield. Kiva? I think I've got to go with Henderson as well because of the way he played on Friday. I just thought he looked like a different Henderson I'd ever seen. He looked, yeah. like, unbelievable. In- it, I think, I don't know, and I haven't got anything to back this up, <laughs> but I'm going to make the point. I think when he plays on the right of the midfield rather than the left, he looks a totally different player. And... He was on the right for Norwich, and I just thought, he just there was like a twenty-minute period, and I was like, "You look like the best player in yeah, the world right I, now." I remember <laughs> him like just spraying passes, passes, flying his tackles, tackles. His ears, there, mm. yeah. So, okay, yeah. Well, I Hen- think Henderson comes in too. Just yeah, me. because of winning, yeah. winning the Champions League. I feel like maybe it's just he's the same Henderson. He just plays with that little bit more confidence. Or are we now is that sort of monkey off his back in terms of the fans' heart, the fan base with a little bit. Undivided, like yeah, divided, weren't they about yeah. him? And now I feel like they're not. Above, possibly. So, yeah. Okay, so we're going for Bino, we're going Henderson. I mean, there's a case for Milner, isn't there, alongside them? There's a case for Genie. But I think if we're going to go Gomez and Matip, yeah, I'm going Kater. Going Kater, yeah. I would too. Yeah. yeah, even though it's the other side of the pitch, and, you know, I just think in terms of overall balance, you, 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 let, you let the midfield do the work, you, Kater tries to probe and, and push on through midfield. Is that a yeah. unanimous there? Or? I think against City. He, he looked really strong um, mm. when he came on and again in similar vein to Matty he came in a slightly easier time Liverpool were on the front foot they'd made their sort of formation changes and closed up the gaps but he just provided that little bit of extra creation that little bit of extra running from the midfield that little bit of extra looking forward getting the balls mm. into the box and you know getting really, Liverpool really on the front foot not just on the front foot pressing but really you know going forward and getting City you know on the back foot so for, yeah, for me, for me, Kater starts and I'd be really excited to see him. I don't think he's going to. No, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Kiva, who, who do you want then and who do you think he'll go for? I th- he likes Wijnaldum in these kinds of games. Like you've seen Literally. on Friday, um, I was thinking Kater would start, but then obviously mm. Wijnaldum's name comes up and, you know, it's not a bad player to have there <laughs> because he's absolutely brilliant as well. But um, I think... It just it feels like a European, you know, it's obviously the Super Cup, Europa League champions versus the Champions League winners. And it feels like this is a game that would suit Cater more so, even though Wijnaldum's obviously featured in those ga- those types of games more. I just feel like this is his season now and mm. Klopp needs to give him give him that time. And I feel like, you know, Wednesday would be a great time for him to, to come on and against, you know, watching Chelsea yesterday, I just feel like he could run riot and could, just set him up to for what what could be a, his his best campaign, and he could be he could be one of these players in a few weeks where, you know, I mean it's a conundrum anyway, isn't it? But he could be where we're not even 
questioning him, you know, the yeah. way Fabinho is yeah. now. And we're just, Fabinho's on the team sheet. I feel like he could, if he puts his mind to it and his feet to it, obviously, I feel like he could be, you know, them two could definitely be just the unwritten rule sort of thing. The name would just be there without even debating it. So we're hoping for Cater, but we're probably expecting one out of them. And then final decision, who starts on the left? Has is, is Origi in this place or is, have you got to throw Mane back in? I think despite even Origi playing so well in that game against Norwich, when Mane came on, it was just different. It was just, and I know obviously we're 70 minutes into the game there and Norwich would have been tired and Mane was coming in fresh, but the standard Mane plays that is crazy. And, you know, we know that front three, we love that front three. The front three is the front three for a reason, isn't it? And I think Manny comes straight back in for me. Yeah, Manny as well. And I feel like obviously got beaten the AFCON final, didn't he? He'll have that little bit of a, it's a final, I want to win this one. And um, then, you know, roles reversed. The Rigi can come on later on and uh, yeah, exactly. have a little uh, American football sprint. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, right then, final thing. Uh, as we mentioned before, two years ago today against Watford and that three-all draw, Salah made his debut, got off the mark straight away when he bundled one in from Firmino, flicking it up for him at the back post. Give me then, I mean, we've talked endlessly about this fella, how he's transformed Liverpool, how he's well, one, of, one of the greatest Liverpool players in modern times, if not their entire history, if he carries on at the rate he is. But give me one, one moment, one goal, one, one thing that Salah's done on a football pitch that for you has stood out. I'll, I'll start. I mean, there's, there's, God, there's, there's so many you can, you can pick. He's, he's done it in finals. He's done it in virtually every competition. The one for me, and um, he's done it against every team as well, hasn't he? All our, all our main rivals. But I think that one, that absolute thunderbolt against Chelsea. Oh, this season, that was going to be oh. mine as well. It's oh, just it? a ridiculous goal, isn't it? Oh. it- my, my season ticket, it, it was right down the line of it. And like, I think I knew before he knew that that was going in. Was, it was just... Oh, rough. yeah, it was ridiculous. It's so, it's, it's, it's so true. So straight. It gets me excited now even thinking about it. You want to go, what goal? I missed it. I was at Anfield and literally by where he, he took it from in, in the main stand. And it happened that quick. I looked away and then it was in the back of the net. I was just like, thanks, Salah. Like, like, yeah. But, um, I'll pick one from the season before because it was the goal that I felt like just sort of... I was like, who is like, who is this player? Like, he was then, you know, alongside Messi and Ronaldo for me at mm. that time, and you know, now he, he is a superstar in his own right. But it was the Roma goal because obviously we ran right that night in Anfield, yeah. and it just felt like ed- everything he touched that season just literally turned to gold. And obviously, it didn't work out in the end in the Champions League, but you know, to to stick with it, and he didn't, he didn't have a. I wouldn't say last season was as good as his first season, yet we won the Champions League, so obviously it wasn't. And you've got the golden and, boot as well. And, and, you've, <laughs> and you've set that standard because yeah. of that first season, but he's just been ridiculous. Like 72 goals in two seasons mm. is just remarkable. You know, we could be towards the end of the season saying, you know, Salah scores his 100th goal for Liverpool. Like in just three seasons, that's, that's cult status. That's like legendary. You know, might have to get another statue built, might <laughs> I? Um but he's just a wonderful player. And what he's shown on Friday and obviously a little bit in the Community Shield is just that first half, second half of that season where obviously his debut season. And I just thought, I think this could be his best season because he's got that second season where everyone's worked him out a little bit, out Mm. the way. And now it's just, it seems like his touch is back a little bit quicker and his feet and he's just oh, yeah can't wait to watch him I'll pick a different goal because there is just <laughs> literally so so many 72 <laughs> yeah um, 
There's one against Spurs that really, really sticks oh, out. Yeah. The one where he hits into the roof of the net of uh, Loris rushing on. You know, it showed pace, it showed trickery, it showed his feet, it showed his awareness and just all of the skills that Salah has got 72 goals from all rolled into a goal and yeah another one that's just a sensational effort but then there's the one against Porto in the Champions League isn't there and that's the one where he like <laughs> kicks it up and like hits it yeah. with his head and, and it's, like, just, it's just so he many does, like, he does like a seven up doesn't he and then he's just like what are you ridiculous, ridiculous player and then there's performances you know I went down to Bournemouth last season and he scored a hat-trick there and absolutely terrorised them. Like, just couldn't get anywhere near him. They were trying to foul him and couldn't. He scored a hat-trick. And he's just it's just a crazy player, isn't he? No, he's, he's absolutely something else. And fingers crossed we see another one of and the most out of collection. Well, yes, yes, he is. Yeah, he does seem like a great fella. Um, yes, and he's almost sent to be one of the Reds' main threats on Wednesday. Start the season, bang in form. Got his goal on Friday night, so we shall see what he can I, do. I'd run into a lamppost for him anyway. Oh, yeah, 100% absolutely. break my nose. Yeah. <laughs> Um, excellent right well we, we will leave it there we will be bringing you all uh, the build up ahead of Wednesday's game uh, here at Echo HQ in Liverpool and we'll have Doyley and Gorsley out in Turkey for the game itself on Wednesday so yeah fingers crossed the Reds get it done and get their first piece of silverware on Wednesday night um, and we'll be back Thursday and Friday to assess it all on the next Blood Red thank you for listening you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo